The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 362 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is treatment for Crohn's disease. Now, our topic is mostly about Crohn's disease, but we also refer to colitis. This is partly because the two diseases are similar, and it's also because our guest, Ida Fernandez, whom I'll introduce in a moment, is from the organization Crohn's and Colitis Canada. Now, Crohn's disease causes inflammation of the intestine intestine, um, and can affect any part of it. It's one of a group of diseases called inflammatory bowel disease. Inflammation, you know, is where things go red, become painful and become swollen. Uh, It most commonly, still talking about Crohn's disease, starts between the ages of 13 and 30 and it may run in families. It may have remissions during which symptoms are absent, and it most commonly causes pain in the abdomen, and it also causes diarrhea. It also causes bleeding from ulcers in the rectum, weight loss, and fever, and it has no known cause. Put that more, more gently, it's of unknown cause. It can cause complications such as intestinal blockages, problems getting enough nutrients, growth problems in children, and joint pain and skin problems. Now, colitis and also ulcerative colitis causes inflammation and ulcers in the lining of the rectum and colon. It's one of a group of diseases, like Crohn's disease, called inflammatory bowel disease can occur at any age, but it usually starts between the ages of 15 and 30 and tends to run in families. It may have remissions during which symptoms are absent. It causes mild symptoms in about half of the individuals who live with it. It most commonly causes pain in the abdomen and blood or pus in diarrhea. And it may also cause problems and complications such as bleeding from the rectum, anemia, weight loss and growth failure in children. All of which is why our topic, treatment for Crohn's disease, is so important for family caregivers and their family members. Now, our guest is Ida Fernandez. Ida is the current Chief Science and Education Officer at the Crohn's and Colitis the organization Crohn's and Colitis Canada. 
She leads the organization's research, patient services, and advocacy programs. She's responsible for developing and implementing scientific and education strategy and building partnerships that will advance research in inflammatory bowel disease. She's an advisory board member for the Canadian Institutes of Health Research's Institute of Infection and Immunity. She holds a bachelor's degree in human biology from the University of Toronto and a master's of business administration in non-profit management and leadership from York University's Schulich School of Business. So, Ida, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Right. First question for you, Ida, please. Yeah. Please tell us more about your life, your career, and your experience with family caregiving. Thank you. Well, I've been with Crohn's and Colitis Canada just over two years now. Um, I held a very similar role, though, at uh, Cystic Fibrosis Canada, where I oversaw the research and clinical programs um, for for that organization. Um, so in these roles, I, I, I sort of, I guess, hold a, a special place in really liaising closely with not just the medical community, but the patient community as well. And so what we really try to do is translate what we know in the medical field into lay language so that uh, patients and their families and caregivers understand what their treatment options are and can connect in and be really active members of their um, healthcare management team. Now, what about your own personal experience with family caregiving? Have, have you any experience that you would describe as family caregiving? Well, I'm a mother. <laughs> so certainly that always comes into play. <laughs> um, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate that we haven't had any um, serious illnesses in, in our family, but um, obviously have, you know, close friends um, that have had that and, and have seen the impact it, it's had on their lives and um, their the stresses it places on their family in terms of coping um, every day with it, but also the impact it could have on their financial situation, their work-life balance, and uh, certainly we're, we're always keen to how that's, um, that's going to affect, you know, Crohn's disease and, and ulcerative colitis patients as well. So making sure that we're providing people with all the education and resources that they feel they need on an everyday uh, basis to, to really manage through it because there's, you know, people can't do it alone. You really do need the help and support from, from family and friends. And, um, and we, you know, we feel at Crohn's and Colitis Canada that we can provide a, a bit of an authority on resources that, that people can turn to. Right. Now, Ida, please tell us about your work with Crohn's and Colitis Canada. We've already highlighted some of it, but please tell us more. Yeah, absolutely. So you did cover the three the three main components I would say that I'm involved with. So it's what I call our, our mission activities. We're we're obviously focused um, on not just finding cures um, for people uh, with Crohn's and colitis, but also uh, providing them um, the resources and tools to improve their quality of life. Now it's kind of like we talk about the hope for a cure tomorrow, but also the tools and resources to allow them to cope with the disease today. Um, and so part of my role is really um, overseeing our research investments. Um, we are the largest um, non-governmental funder of inflammatory bowel disease research in Canada. 
Um, this uh, past year, we funded over $7 million into, into research. Um, and so my role is really working with the scientific community in terms of setting the research strategy, um, what are some of the key research priorities. We hold an annual competition every year, and we invite researchers, clinicians, scientists to submit um, you know, their, their uh, applications, best proposals, um, and that gets evaluated by um, a, a, a committee of their peers um, that uh, assess the overall uh, quality of the applications, um, the relevance to our mission, and uh, the um, potential to really deliver, um, you know, results for patients. And, uh, and so I, I administer that grant competition, and then we, uh, we basically see these grants through and monitor their progress, ensure that, uh, um, that they're uh, meeting their milestones and, uh, and reporting back to us on, on the progress that they're making. Every year, then, we communicate that progress back to our, our stakeholders, so patients, our donors, our volunteers, so that they know where their research um, donor dollars are going. Um, so research is, is obviously at the core of our business, and, uh, and that's really where we invest heavily. Um, in the last couple of years, we've really expanded on the other side of our mission, which is uh, improving the quality of life of patients. And uh, so we've uh, introduced a number of programs, um, that again help uh, help patients live with the uh, the everyday struggle of, of Crohn's and colitis, and um, and uh, we, we have resources up on our website. We produce medical brochures um, that we distribute through gastroenterologist offices across the country. Um, we hold patient education events. Um, in person and also electronically so people can log in and view webinars and really hear from key experts um, that, uh, so that they really have the most update information um, on Crohn's and colitis. Um, I don't, and, I'm just going to stop you there only sure. because of the tyranny of time Sure. because <laughs> I have another question I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Now, November 2014 was a very busy period for you. You had all kinds of conferences, um, all kinds of presentations going on. Please talk about the themes that you think would be most relevant to the theme of this show, which is family caregiving. So please talk about those themes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so November is Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Month, and, and we we host a number of activities that really um, reach out to the public and inform them about the diseases and the work that we're doing. Um, our I'd say our hallmark event uh, throughout the months of November is hosting patient education events, um, and uh, we we're holding in so in November 2014 there will have um, been 14 patient education events across the country, uh, mostly in the urban centers, and these are opportunities to listen from uh, key researchers. Uh, key clinicians in the field of inflammatory bowel disease and other healthcare professionals, nurses, psychologists, social workers, and they will come and talk um, to the group about how to how to manage and uh, live with the disease, how to cope with the, the struggles that come with it. So it's a great opportunity for for patients, their caregivers, friends, um, to um, to really hear from you know leading experts in the area to and have their questions answered. What, what you're describing to us is a very strong effort to bring individuals, patients, and their family caregivers into the picture of what is known, 
what is going to be known, um, what the care and all the other things that matter so much um, is being developed, what kind of direction it's developed. Um, that What am I right in saying to you that informing mm-hmm. those people is now or perhaps always has been a major priority for Crohn's and Colitis Canada? Absolutely. Absolutely. We want people informed. We want them feeling empowered. Um, and, um, in fact, uh, we have up on our website, ask the right questions, you know, trying to make the most of your visit with your, with your doctor. When you go, when you do go in, often you, you feel overwhelmed and wish you had asked some questions. <laughs> so we, we really, uh, you know, invite people to, to, uh, prepare in advance of their visits with their doctors to make sure that they do get all their questions answered. Um, we provide a number of questions maybe they want to consider asking so that they can can, you know, monitor their disease, again, feel active participants in their, in their health care management. And you know, there's another thing that you're doing too, which I strongly support, and that is you're overcoming the problem that many, many family caregivers uh, encounter when a diagnosis is first made in a, fa- in a family member of something like Crohn's and colitis. Um, they feel alone. Mm-hmm. What you're doing in Crohn's and Colitis Canada is reaching out to them saying, here's information, here are other people who are living the same through the same challenges, here's how we help them so we can help you. Absolutely. And, And that's profoundly important in these days because it's so easy for people to feel that not that they're neglected, but somehow that they're not connecting, you're connecting. Correct. And in fact, we held uh, just uh, again in uh, October 2014, we held webinars focused for a youth audience, so younger people that have maybe been recently yes. diagnosed with, with Crohn's and, and colitis. And um, we had a healthcare professional, but we also had a patient. Um, so they were really listening from, from you know, both ends of the, of the spectrum, from an, an expert, but somebody who's also living through it. And for youth, we thought that was really important that they could connect right. to their peers and really get a sense of, you know, I'm not, I'm not the the only one dealing with this, and these are how you know other kids my age are also are also dealing with with um, with this uh, disease. So that's very important, especially in that in that audience where you you know you're going through adolescence. It's, it's a hard time already to begin with. So to feel right. like you have some more support from from kids also living with that is is extremely important. Yeah. Now at that point, Ida, uh, we're going to take a short break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Ida Fernandez. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. How do you achieve the utmost success in your life, career, faith, relationships, and more? It's all here in the business of living with host Scott Ventrella. Scott has experience as an executive coach, sought-after speaker, and lecturer. He and his guests will offer practical solutions and strategies to help you move to the next level of success no matter where you are in your life and career. 
The Business of Living, airs live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Matters of Design with celebrity designer Dimitri Christian Skirakis as he explores the dynamics of interior decorating. Imagine your personal style and ideas being shaped by our guest experts as they highlight a mixture of home furnishings, lighting, textiles, and fashion from around the world. If you've ever had difficulty trying to plan how to do it yourself, why not collaborate with a designer and wind up with results like you've never dreamed of? Matters of Design can be heard live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Ida Fernandez. Our topic is treatment for Crohn's disease. Ida, now let's talk about the challenges to health associated with Crohn's disease and colitis. So first off, please would you describe for us the most challenging of the challenges to health associated with the digestive system when it's affected by Crohn's disease and colitis? So, I mean, people really do experience Crohn's and colitis very differently. Um, for I would say the most common uh, challenge for people is is probably the the frequency of, of needing to go to the bathroom, and often you know this this could be have a huge impact on quality of life. Um, people structure their lives on their proximity to a bathroom and uh, and often the you know needing to go to the washroom 10 20 times a day 30 times sometimes um, and it's an extreme burden um, on people um, of course you're also dealing with the physical pain of the disease um, you know bleeding ulcers uh, the fatigue that also comes with this uh, with this chronic disease so there are a number of challenges but certainly what we hear from from patients on, you know, how this impacts their quality of life is, is the, um, the, the need to, to, you know, to have a bathroom nearby and how that affects choices they have to make in life. Um, and that's, uh, and that's obviously, you know, a, a bit of a stigma comes to, uh, attached to that and a sense of isolation and people not understanding and feeling, well, you know, I've, I've had diarrhea, you know, before and it's, it's not so bad. And, and so there, there's always a bit of, um, a uh, concern around feeling, you you know, you know that, that not well understood disease and and how that uh, again I- impacts their life. And also that what you've just described as a stigma mm-hmm. um, is undermines people's ability to work. I imagine I'm going. This is um, really a, another question. Yeah. Um, it undermines their ability to socialize. Mm-hmm. And it undermines their ability, I would think, probably, to be part of the community. What's your response to that as a question? Absolutely. What we hear from people, and in fact, we know from, um, we did we conducted a, a report a couple of years ago on the impact of inflammatory bowel disease in Canada, 
and we know that it, it, it has a, a huge economic impact um, on people and, and the community at large because people are missing, you know, obviously missing work um, for, you know, when the, when the condition is in a state of flare um, and they're not able to go into work. It, it affects their career choices. Um, it affects their leisure activities, travel time. I mean, you could just imagine if you're, if you're always needing to be close to a bathroom, how that in, could it have a significant impact and, um, in school, uh, exam, examinations, um, yeah, everything. It, it really does transcend all, uh, all areas and, and, uh, and Often, you know, when even when people are in a period of remission, they're because it is a disease that sort of, you know, goes up and down. There, there's always this anxiety attached to it as well that it, it could come on at any moment. So it, it has a huge um, emotional um, um, attach um, challenge as well. Right. Now, still talking about the most challenging of the challenges to health. Um, Please talk about the, the challenges to health associated with the immune system when it's affected by Crohn's disease and colitis. Right. So, yeah, because Crohn's and colitis are, it, it's a bit of inflammation gone awry. You know, it, uh, it, something sets it off and, and, and then the body's not able to dial back that, that inflammation. And, and it obviously has its most significant impact on the intestines. But, but we do see that uh, people with inflammatory bowel disease um, often are at higher risk of, of having other um, immune-related diseases as well, um, psoriasis, higher rates of um, multiple sclerosis. So um, it's, the immune challenge is certainly um, a priority because it, it, we, we know that it doesn't just impact the, um, the, 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 the digestive tract. Um, you'll see people also have um, significant challenges with eye inflammation, um, joint inflammation. Um, so there are, um, there, yeah, there are a number of challenges that, that transcend beyond the, um, the, the digestive tract. Now, let me just ask you a little bit more about that. Um, when the um, challenges are associated with um, the immune system, what it raises is a question, in my mind at least, is whether it's the Crohn's disease that's causing the um, problem with the immune system or the immune system that's causing the problem with Crohn's disease and, for that matter, colitis. Right. What's your thinking on that? That's a, that's a very good question. That's <laughs> absolutely um, one of the critical questions that we're trying to answer through a major research project that we're funding, and it's called the GEM Project. And GEM stands for Genetic, Environmental, and Microbial um, uh, factors. And really what it's looking at is trying to find the, the, the causes of the disease and figuring out what's happened, what sort of, what's the, the chicken and the egg here in a lot of um, a lot of the cases because most studies are done in people that have already developed the disease and at that point it's a little bit too late to figure out whether or not some of you know these factors um, are, are are byproduct of the disease and uh, this gem product uh, project is unique in that it's looking at uh, people that don't have the disease yet they're they're the family members of people that have Crohn's disease um, so they're usually um, either children or siblings of, of patients with Crohn's disease, and it's monitoring them prospectively um, and then really identifying those that develop disease in the future and see what's, um, what has been um, what has changed? What's um, and so by looking at their biological samples before and after disease, we're able hopefully to figure out what's what are the triggers of the disease and what's causing it. Now you 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 talked about byproducts of Crohn's 
disease and colitis. Mm-hmm. Um, as you very well know, um, the medical profession often refer to the byproducts, that you, and it's a good phrase, you've, good word you've used, as complications and comorbidities, where, as you know, complications are things that go wrong when you've got a particular disease, look as though they're associated with the disease. Um, And then comorbidities are things that go wrong while you've got the disease. But such as it is, the medical research suggests that the origin, the cause of the um, comorbidity isn't actually the Crohn's disease or something like it. So uh, this is another of my complicated questions, but <laughs> please describe what you consider to be the most challenging of the challenges to health, which are associated with these, what I'm going to call health complications that occur along with Crohn's disease and colitis. I don't- yeah, so some of the complications you would see are uh, most predominantly in Crohn's disease would Crohn's disease would be blockages in the intestines. Um, that often leads to, to scarring, um, accumulation of a scarring tissue, and, and then that blockage um, has you know, obviously uh, can have severe impacts in, in terms of um, you know the pain people would feel and them not being able to um, to to, uh, to clear properly. Um, they could also they can also see a lot of ulcers and sores, abscesses form. Um, in their uh, digestive tract, this again because of all this pain associated with it, they might also be um, see malnutrition because they're not they're not eating properly. You know that they're having challenges when they're eating because of all this um, um, these uh, these blockages. So those I would say are the the most common complications associated with um, with Crohn's disease. Uh, ulcerative colitis, very similarly, would you know you probably see a lot of um, bleeding and uh, perforations, ruptures happening because of the inflammation in the intestines as well. So those are yeah, those are the probably the most common complications, and it could see um, a lot of anal fissures also appear, um, and uh, in in rare cases you might get fistulas, um, which which can have uh, you know very severe problems. That's basically leads to an opening in the intestine, and and uh, and then you could get leakage into your other body parts. Now, just just to ask you a little bit more about this. Um, when there's all this going on in the digestive system, there's the question of nutrition or impairment of nutrition. Um, what does that lead to, first of all, in children and also in adults? Ida? Right. So, I mean, nutrition is one of the, it's one of the most, I'd say, probably most asked questions that patients have is, you know, you know, what should I be eating now? <laughs> you know, is there, you know, what, what's the diet? What's the diet? Is there, you know, will diet help? And and it's a it's a hard question. Certainly, we know diet plays a role um, in um, you know in what you eat and 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 whether or not that could um, potentially trigger a flare. We know it's not necessarily the cause of disease, uh, but and the problem is that there really isn't a one size fits all either. Um, people in some uh, people, certain foods definitely um, uh, pose a trigger, and other people, those same foods may not be a problem. Um, so it is quite an individualized approach to, to diet. Um, 
obviously with, you know, they're, they're in terms of malnutrition in general, um, you know, there are certain things you want to make sure overall you're, you're, you're having a healthy diet so that you are getting the appropriate nutrients. And sometimes that means also um, taking uh, additional um, uh, nutrients, uh, nutrients and supplements to, to help support um, uh, your nutrition. But, uh, but diet is a tricky one because there, there really aren't any hard, um, you know, good diets and bad diets that, um, that can be recommended to people. We're often asking them to really monitor their own diets and keep a bit of a journal on what's, you know, what's working for you and not working for you that, so you can really adjust your, um, your, your food intake accordingly. Just a very quick question. What about the younger people and when the diet isn't really suiting them right. and they're not getting the nutrients. What about weight loss and slowing yeah, down? Yeah, absolutely. Breath? That's certainly yeah. In in youth, that's a, that's a very important area um, for um, for treatment. And many young kids might be on getting um, additional supplements through in like through an either an exclusive internal nutrition diet. Um, so that's where they'll have like a, a tube either through their nose or through uh, another system where they're where they're getting the um, the the food intake that they need um, through that system. So that uh, again. It really depends on um, how well the, the 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 child is tolerating their diet, but um, certainly a dietitian would help them in terms of making sure that they are getting the appropriate nutrition and and sometimes needing to supplement um, through alternative forms to make that happen. Right. Now, um, talking of alternatives, this is the time when we have to take the break again, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Ida Fernandez. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Boomers Rock Radio with Tom Mack is ready to entertain, enlighten, and educate. Our show is all about quality of life, fitness, mental health, nutrition, self-improvement, finance, and more. As you grow older, you may actually have more questions. Tom is here to help. He'll invite experts from many facets of health, business, and life to bring the answers to you. Make Boomers Rock Radio your weekly stop on the Voice America Variety Channel every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific. Join us and improve your life. We all love our best friend, especially when that best friend is a canine best friend. Now there's a show just for the dogs or the people who love them. Tune in to Dogs Rock Radio with host Pamela Hill. With your stories and advice from the experts, we'll show just how much love and purpose dogs bring to our lives and others around us. You'll also learn about canine fitness, training, and health and wellness. Make Dogs Rock Radio a weekly stop every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern on Voice America Variety. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Ida Fernandez. Our topic is treatment for Crohn's disease. Ida, now, please let's talk about treatment for the challenges to health associated with Crohn's disease and colitis. And you'd identified the, the most challenging of the challenges. So now I want to turn it around that question and say, please explain the treatment for what you see as the most challenging of the challenges to health associated with the digestive system when it's affected by Crohn's disease and colitis. Yeah, so there are a number of medical treatments that um, patients uh, might uh, undergo uh, depending really on their severity of disease. Um, and um, they, you know, they range from anti-inflammatory drugs to try to bring down that uh, inflammation. Um, in some cases, even antibiotics might be used if they're, if they're, um, if they're getting some um, um, anal fistulas that might be used to treat it. To more, I would call um, steroid treatments, again, to try to uh, bring down the inflammation. Uh, we're seeing um, increased uh, use of what we call now biological treatments. Um, and these are um, sort of the latest developments um, in, um, in treatment for inflammatory bowel disease. And uh, there's a number of, uh, there are a number of different um, biologics currently available, and these really tend to uh, be used on more, um, you know, moderate to severe cases, um, but have also have had some life-altering um, benefits to, to patients as well. They're very expensive drugs, um, and um, most, you know, most of these People will need to be on these drugs lifelong um, if they're responding to them, um, but uh, um, they really have been shown to be quite effective in um, in cases that are harder to control through with you know through more um, traditional forms of, of treatment. I just want you. I should have asked you this before, just to say what's a, explain to us what a fistula is. Right. Um, so, well, let's see. Um, a little bit hard to describe. Um, <laughs> let me just find a good way. Um, so fistulas form. I'm just trying to. Um, so it, it basically ends up being a bit of an opening um, in um, in the intestine that could really end up draining either mucus, pus, or stool from the opening. Um, sometimes they um, they. It's sort of a, this tunnel can lead to another part of the intestine, or, or sometimes it can open up to other parts of the body, um, such as the bladder, or the vagina, or, or, or to the skin of the outside. So it basically ends up being an opening in the intestine and, and, and causes leakage. And that's pretty serious, isn't it? Very serious. And, you know, people will, you know, maybe they might need surgery to help repair it, um, uh, but certainly careful monitoring of it, depending on its location and where it's leaking to, is is, is very important. Right. Now, next question. (laughs) Please explain treatment for the most challenging of the challenges to health associated with the immune system when it's involved in Crohn's disease and colitis. 
Yeah, I yeah. The the treatments would um, you would be looking a lot at the um, immune modifiers and and uh, and also the biologic treatments um, and the steroid treatments. Those all really tend to focus on trying to dampen the immune response in the body. Um, again, as we know, in, in inflammatory bowel disease, the, the inflammation um, doesn't turn off, and uh, and that um, you know ends up uh, causing um, this chronic inflammation. So so the the, the drug treatments we do. See um, that people would uh, would be taking, or to try to um, you know kickstart um, that immune system to, to turn off and and, and keep it uh, dampened down. And um, so, yeah, the um, um, what we call the, the steroid treatments is usually sort of a, a, a fast acting, but we don't want patients on steroids for too long. Um, so then, a number of other uh, immune modifiers uh, or immune modulators, as they're sometimes called, um, try to, to to maintain the disease in, in remission. Now, the the remissions and when people with these conditions get better temporarily, don't have symptoms and the rest of it. Now, this is a very tough question, I recognize, but what do we know about what's going on when there's a remission? In other words, what is nature doing in our bodies to bring these conditions under control? What do we know about that? I don't so you know we're we're not a hundred percent sure. Um, we would, I, you know, I think we would argue that it, you know medical treatments have 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 done their job in terms of turning off some of the um, um, the the cues in the immune system to to keep uh, to keep working. So they are dampening down the immune response in the body, um, and and that tends to help alleviate um, the symptoms. Um, now we also are seeing what. You know, just a few years, you know, a number of years ago, the doctors would consider remission just you're not feeling the symptoms associated um, with the disease. But the uh, treatment now is really focusing on not just patients not feeling the symptoms, which obviously is important, but also that they're seeing the healing of the lining of the intestine where that inflammation is happening. Um, So that's becoming sort of the new target for treatment. Um, Sometimes patients are actually feeling okay, but when you, you know, you take a scope to them and you look inside their intestines, there's still significant inflammation going on and so the hope is by really trying to deal with that inflammation you're actually able to um, you know uh, spare um, the disease progression for a lot longer and and keep patients healthier for a longer period of time so so their uh, doctors are certainly taking a much more aggressive approach to try to you know uh, even you know really have um, observable um, uh, improvement in, in the lining of the gut um, and and hopefully that will keep remission for longer so if what that means then is that follow-ups in the form of ways of inspecting the lining of the intestine, of the gut, sometimes as doctors call it, um, is now an important part of the care. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Certainly, um, doctors will, uh, gastroenterologists, and, and in particular, I would say, you know, IBD specialists um, will, will certainly want to monitor um, whether or not the treatment is working and assessing not only whether the patient is feeling better, but whether the, whole, the colon is healing properly by, by you know, looking um, um, frequently into the colon. Now, you know, that frequently probably needs to be defined in, in collaboration with the patient. You know, colonoscopies aren't the most um, uh, pleasant of experiences. 
is. So um, um, they will try to, again, you know, assess depending on whether or not a, a new treatment, they've introduced a new treatment to see if that's actually having improvement in the, uh, in the, in the colon. They also do colonoscopies quite frequently to, um, to assess the risk of cancer, colon cancer in particular, is, um, is a, at a higher risk for people that have long-standing inflammatory bowel disease. And so doctors do want to get in there and, and take a good look to, to assess whether or not there's, um, there's, um, there's potential for, for colon cancer being, um, you know, um, being developed. So, um, so absolutely colonoscopies are, are an important way of monitoring progress um, and, and assessing um, whether or not patients are, in fact, doing better. For the benefit of listeners who haven't themselves been subjected to a colonoscopy or haven't had a family member subjected to it, uh, without going into too much of the gory detail, please just outline for us what a colonoscopy actually involves and what the instrument is that's used and that kind of thing. Yeah, so- I don't yeah, there. You know what? There are actually some amazing websites that even you know have it cartoon-like, so people and and even young kids can know what to expect when they go into a colonoscopy. Um, so I would certainly encourage people to look at that. But basically, what it, it, it comes down to is really inserting a a, a small camera um, through the rectum into the into the uh, colon to take a look at what's happening inside, and uh, and um, it's it's a it's a pretty uh, important way, not just for monitoring disease, but also for diagnosing the disease. Um, inflammatory bowel disease is often confused with a number of other diseases, including infl- um, irritable bowel syndrome. But once you actually take a look inside the intestine and you see the inflammation, that really does become sort of the, the gold standard for, for, um, for diagnosing the disease. Do they actually, uh, I know we're going into gory detail, but do they actually go so far as to take little snips of the tissue to examine under microscopes when they're using colonoscopy for Crohn's disease and colitis? Yes, sometimes absolutely they do, um, especially if there's a bit of um, uncertainty as to whether or not it is um, Crohn's or colitis. Um, Crohn's disease, um, the inflammation tends to cross the entire wall of the uh, of the intestine, whereas uh, colitis tends to be a little bit more on the superficial mucosa layer. Um, so taking samples of the colon is also very important. Um, they would also take samples um, during routine colonoscopies. Again, to uh, you know, if there's a particular area that um, perhaps is is kind of questionable, and they're you know they're they're querying for um, cancer, and they'd want to do some more testing on that um, on that biopsy. So um, often they do take um, samples of the colon as well. Now, I've asked you three questions. Um... You know, to do with the digestive system, to do with the immune system, and to do with the complications. Here's a very open-ended question. It sounds to me, from what you're saying, Ida, that the whole approach is getting very much more scientific than it used to be and is science-based and is based on a much better understanding of what these conditions are, even though perhaps the, the ultimate understanding 
hasn't yet been reached. Is that a fair summary? And if it isn't, please correct it. No, absolutely. I would I would 100% agree with that assessment. Certainly, um, you know, like you said, we don't know the causes um, specifically to the disease, um, but we are uh, treating to a new level than we did, you know, a couple of decades ago. And, and part of that has been a result of new treatment options coming to market, such as, you know, some of the biologics that we see. And, um, and so the, the bar does keep going up in terms of, um, you know, making sure that we give people the best quality of life um, possible. And, and we're seeing that uh, doctors really trying to heal as much as possible um, so to really, again, delay um, disease progression is, is an important, um, I'd say, um, goal um, in, in, the, in the treatment strategies for now. And I suppose it's fair, this is just a sort of philosophical point, to say that delaying the progress uh, is care rather than cure. Is that right? I would say so. I mean, for sure. I mean, we know there's no cure right now for the disease. And um, what we're likely to see is, is not just one magic bullet of a cure because the diseases are so varied and complex. It's probably going to be multiple cures that, you know, that w- are likely to transpire um, much more personalized treatments um, right now to really, you know, give more effective control of the diseases is, is what we're working towards. Right. Now, talking of working towards things, we've arrived again at the time where we have to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Ida Fernandez. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg 
at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Ida Fernandez. Our topic is treatment for Crohn's disease. Now, let's talk about the efforts of Crohn's Disease and Colitis Canada. That is your work to advance understanding of the three C's, cause, care, and cure of Crohn's disease and colitis. So, Ida, first question, what's the highest priority work directed at finding the cause of Crohn's disease and colitis? Ida? Yeah, certainly um, our most, um, I would say, our, our, our largest funding investment right now into finding the causes of Crohn's disease is the GEM project. Um, this um, is moving into its stage two. We've actually already funded about $6 million into this uh, project right now and moving into phase two to try to complete this um, this study, which is another $10 million investment. Um, so this is this is huge for our organization, but it's, it's the, I'd say it's a one-of-a-kind research study that is really looking to find what causes the disease. And I mentioned mentioned a little bit about it before, but it, it's looking at family members that are at risk of developing Crohn's disease, so their siblings or, or offspring of, of current uh, patients right now with Crohn's disease, following them over a period of time, and then really identifying what uh, has changed um, in them to try to find the, the uh, you know, the, the, the cues as to um, what causes the disease. Um, this is now, it's a Canadian-led study out of Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto, but it's become an international study. We have sites um, in across Canada, in the U.S., in Israel, and soon in United Kingdom. So this is an international effort um, that's really going to, I hope, help us understand what is causing and triggering the disease. Right. Next question. What's the highest priority work directed, your work, directed at finding the care needed for Crohn's disease and colitis? Uh, yeah, so we are actually uh, just launching this year for the first time what we're, it's called a special initiative, a special research initiative on excellence in IBD care. And um, it really is trying to identify what models of care will lead to optimal results, um, improves um, the quality of life uh, of patients and their health outcomes. Um, so I, I don't have an exact answer to you right now because um, these are all being assessed by an international peer review, um, but certainly what we're seeing are some interesting uh, proposals from um, clinics across the country that um, will hopefully um, not just improve the patient, uh, the patient care um, in their own clinics, but then translate that information across the country so that we can really reach out and, and, uh, and improve um, the, the care that's being um, delivered um, uh, across the country um, with, you know, by all patients with inflammatory bowel disease. We're investing $1 million into this initiative, but ideally um, we'll be able to bring on partners and really leverage this to, to have an, uh, you know, a, a, a model of specialized IBD care that's going to um, improve um, health outcomes. Right. Next, next question. What's the highest priority work directed at finding the cure of Crohn's disease and colitis? Uh, so that's a, it's a hard one to answer because we don't know where the cure is coming from. So um, we, what we do is we, we have a, a diversified, I'd say a very diversified research portfolio that really is looking at um, in, 
like immune pathways. We're also looking at microbial triggers. Um, we are um, also looking at some of the genetic factors. So we're really providing funding in a number of um, important scientific areas that we think might have a role in finding cures. Um, and if not cures, certainly better treatments than what are currently available. Um, we know patients, even with the, the some innovative treatments that are that are in the market right now, not everybody responds to them um, or they may lose response after a period of time. So uh, we are trying to um, look at, you know, continuously look at novel alternatives to what's, um, what's currently out there so that um, we are able to, um, to really help everybody uh, living with Crohn's and colitis. There's a lot of interesting work going on right now in, in fecal transplantation which um, has been in the media a lot, where really you're looking at uh, transplanting yes. healthy poo from a person who doesn't have the disease into um, somebody who has the disease to see whether or not that can, um, can um, you know, put them into a state of remission. So that, there is some exciting work going on in a number of different areas um, that, uh, that are looking at the immunology, the microbiome, uh, the bacteria in our gut, and, and the genetic factors. This is a bit of a loaded question um, <laughs> as it's coming up now, Ida. But it is, it sounds to me as though the care is in, becoming an increasing focus for the research. That isn't to say it's pushing search for the cure out of the picture or that it's displacing efforts to find the cause, but it rather sounds to me as if looking carefully at the care is an important priority and going to stay that way. Am I right? Um, absolutely. In fact, you know, we, we, we revisited our research strategy a couple of years ago and invited our stakeholder community, and that meant patients, volunteers, donors, um, to help inform where our investments should go. And certainly um, we saw the, the value of care for today as being a priority, and so we are investing and, uh, you know, still want to continue our focus on, on search for a cure. That is still an important part of our, our mission, uh, but realizing that there's, there's value in, in trying to improve the care that's delivered today um, so that, you know, patients can live a, a more optimal um, quality of life. Again, another loaded question, especially for me, <laughs> is asking patients about their quality of life part of the research you're currently doing? Um, we've done that kind of research. Um, a couple of years ago, we did um, a hold um, a survey, and uh, we reached out to over 700 patients and really tried to get at the core of what some of their quality of life issues are. Um, and um, and that does need revisiting, um, and we will continue to do that kind of research so that we are responsive. Um, we also shape our advocacy efforts um, in terms of what are priority issues for our patients and in fact, um, you know, access to treatments, access to public bathrooms, access to specialized care are all very important and priorities on our advocacy work as well. So um, we not just do the research into those, um, how to improve that quality of life, but also take some, some strong um, uh, lobbying and advocacy yes. work to, to, to reach out to that as well. Very good. Ida, thank you very much for sharing with us all this information sharing your experience, your enthusiasms, your insights, your advice, and 
your picture of the way things are going. So on behalf of everyone who either is living with this, these conditions or has a family member who are or has friends and relatives who are, every, every success to you in your work. Thank you very now, much. I also want to say thank you to our listeners and just to mention that with Family Caregivers Unite, we're starting a new research project called Qualitative Research to find out what you, our listeners, think about important topics such as the one we've just been listening to. So please email me to hear more about this research or to get involved. Now, our next episode will be Courage in Family Caregiving for Alzheimer's Disease. Please join us, same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.